0: last spring i included a prayer in my pastor's column in the bulletin that i found online this prayer has become a part of my daily prayer and it's part of my personal anti-whining campaign pray it with me if in your mind if you sometimes whine and complain like me father i repent of a default attitude of whining i repent of seeing the glass half empty I repent of catching others doing wrong and missing what they do right. I repent of grumbling about not having what I haven't enough faith to receive. I repent of complaining about leadership as if I could do better. I repent of thinking the grass is greener elsewhere. I am done being a whiner and complainer. I hereby declare that I will believe your promises to me, Lord. Today, I will be grateful to you and the people in my life. Thank you for all that you have done for me and all that you will do for me, if I have the faith to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I will be grateful to you and for the people of my life, and I'll stop complaining, the prayer says, and then I keep complaining, right? It's hard. What a powerful prayer, though. It was only through praying it that I discovered that I really need to say it every day, because I don't want to be a whiner. I don't want to be a murmurer. Rather, I want to make a joyful contribution to the world. Whining begins with our inner dialogue of discontent and dissatisfaction that we entertain and often institutionalize in our thinking, and our lives. In our gospel, the people are whining and they are murmuring. We continue to reflect on chapter 6 of John's gospel this summer, and today we hear the negative reviews that Jesus received from some of the crowd who are not pleased that he said, I am the bread of life that's come down from heaven. After all, they had known Jesus. They had seen him grow up. He was a carpenter from Nazareth. How could he claim to be from heaven? And how is he bread? The whole thing was nonsense. What is he talking about? Jesus responded directly to the crowd and repeats that he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven. Further, if they eat the living bread, they shall not die, but live forever. Some of those present responded in hushed, incredulous tones against Jesus and his teaching. As subdued and private as these murmurings must have been, Jesus still hears them and directly confronts them with the saying, Stop murmuring among yourselves. He then goes on to repeat what he said about the being the bread of life and adds to it, that he had a deep and intimate relationship by calling God his Father. That was an outrage. It wasn't common in Jesus' day as it is in ours. Of course, biblical mur- murmuring, so to speak, is nothing unique to the bread of life discourse that we just heard in John chapter 6. When I hear of the Israelites murmuring against Jesus, I think of the Israelites in the desert. After Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt with the miraculous help of God, they began to murmur against Moses and Aaron in the books of Exodus and Numbers. Would that we have stayed back in Egypt, they say, over and over again. We can also go back to the prophets and how the people murmured against them. We love God when he's on our side, but it seems that whenever God acts in a mighty way, there are those who find something wrong with it and complain and murmur throughout the scriptures. When the Israelites murmur in the desert they had no food, God provided them with manna and later quail. At first, they are grateful, but it doesn't take them long to murmur again because they get tired of the same menu. The people of Israel once cried out to God to send someone to restore them. So God responded, And first, they were grateful that God had sent the prophets. But when this message of restoration involved making radical changes in their own lives, they murmur, oh no, it's not my problem. Some of the prophets are even put to death because the people don't want to hear the message if it's bad or reforming news for them. So it's no surprise that when Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God and performing great works, The people flock to him. But when he gets to the crux of who he is and how they must be faithful to him, they don't want to accept such radical teaching, and they complain. This gospel passage leads us to the question of whether or not we find ourselves complaining or whining specifically about the sacrifices that Jesus asks us to make to build his kingdom. It could also be whining over a particular teaching from the gospel or a moral teaching of the church that we struggle with. Rather than embrace the need to work on change in our lives, we sometimes murmur and sedate ourselves in our comfortable mediocrity in terms of our faith. At our worst, we expect God to reform his teaching around us and our wants and our needs rather than reform our lives around the Gospel of Jesus. For example, 50 years ago, Paul VI, our Holy Father at the time, wrote the encyclical *Humani Vitae, 50 years ago this summer, that encouraged dialogue about the Catholic understanding of human sexuality and the prohibition of artificial birth control, and oh, did people murmur, and they've been murmuring ever since. Rarely do people ever take the time to hear what he had to say. Rather, than pondering the message and accept the changes that the teaching gave the Church, Catholics criticized Pope Paul VI vehemently and were murmuring that he was wrong. Fifty years later this summer, I've been reading articles that report that at least in his assessment of our culture, Paul VI was right. Although probably impossible to make a definitive and exclusive link from one to the other, Pope Paul VI warned that the widespread contraceptive mentality would lead to an increase in infidelity, divorce, abortion, out-of-wedlock pregnancies and STDs. That kind of sounds familiar in our day. And he also feared that men and women would consider each other as mere instruments of selfish enjoyment and no longer respect and be beloved as companions. I think of Paul VI's concern about this mentality, and my mind goes to the hashtag Me Too movement, rampant reports of abuse in our world and the rise of the porn culture. Theologians have observed that today that we seek to adjust the body to our desires and our timetables rather than adjusting ourselves to the will of God. So whether it's one of the Ten Commandments, the Code of Canon Law, the Beatitudes, when we are challenged to be holy, we sometimes close our ears Those who murmured about Jesus didn't really listen with open hearts. In another place in the Gospel, Jesus says, Ephrathah, be open to what Jesus was telling us. And at the end of John 6, many separated themselves from him altogether and the gift of eternal life. Our challenge today, then, is to stop complaining. Yes, but it is also our challenge to listen to Jesus and learn from him, and learn from the church, and truly ponder the challenges that come from difficult teachings that stem from our faith. When we accept these challenges, rather than easily react and murmur, that helps us uh, we, we grow in faith when we go closer to Christ. It is also most often that it leads us to happiness, not only in the next life, but also in this one.